Have you ever thought how to speed up your IT career? Have you ever thought why some engineers, architects, leaders and scientists are more successful than others? My name is Lukasz Karwacki and I love asking questions. I invited here many industry experts with different backgrounds and point of views. This is Engineering Growth Club Podcast. Welcome on board. Hi, and very warm welcome to our special guest today, Jenny Jepsen, an Agile expert and co-author together book. Hi, Jenny. How are you today? I'm great, Lucas. Thank you so much. Great to have you in this interview for the Engineering Growth Wrap podcast. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, that's great. I'm just uh, wondering because I've noticed you recently released a book, which the title is Together. So would you tell us a little bit about the book? Because I'm really curious. I haven't read that yet, to be honest. No, nope. so <laughs> it's just, let's just out this week. Yeah, Yeah. so this is the only excuse, actually. <laughs> so could yes. you please give us a couple of words about the book? I would love to. Thank you. Yes, the book is called Together, How Leaders Involve and Engage People to Get Great Things Done. I wrote it together with my partner in all things, Ole Epson, and he and I have been wanting to write a book for a while for two reasons, I would say. One is that in organizations that we were working in, there was a, a common theme from the leaders that we talked with that they really wanted people to take more responsibility for the work that they were doing in the organization from you know products to strategies to just about everything to help them take more responsibility. And then the other part was that you know we work as consultants and so going into organizations, a lot of times they're looking for the answers from us as consultants. And that's just not where you get the best answers, not if you want to anchor change in an organization. So it's really about answering those challenges together with the people in the organization. So bringing people together to solve the challenges that the organizations are facing. So the book is really about how to do that. It's a a how-to guide. It has stories, um, science, neuroscience behind it, you know, why certain techniques work. A lot of tips and tricks on how to do things. So we we really mean it as a guide that leaders can go back to over and over again. Okay, so you said that it's about how to implement in an organization the responsibility, I understood like this. So what we should do to convince people to take responsibility? <laughs> yeah, hmm. so it's not so much about convincing, it's more about increasing their own intrinsic motivations so that they actually want to. And the way to do that is by involving and engaging people. And when people understand together what it is we need to do and why we need to do it, and they're involved in that process. And when we plan together, so the people who are doing the work are part of planning the work. And then when we validate the results that we get together and get feedback that guides us in our next steps and do that together and then reflect together to learn and improve, then we create that sense of ownership across all roles and responsibilities in the organization. And the end result is not only do people feel more responsible or take more responsibility for the work, but you get better results. You get 
excellent results in an organization. You get answers to challenges that no person alone could have come up with. So it's really a a remarkable thing when you bring people together. Okay, so you said that it's not about convincing, but motivating and understand better why we do. So how to tell your team why, the why, what is our why? Yeah, so oftentimes team leaders, you know, understand the why of the product. They've had closer discussions with the customer oftentimes. And then bringing that to back to the team, for example, if we would use that example, and really, you know, just telling people this is why, maybe it's not enough to get it sort of under the skin. So what does this asking questions of the team members, what does this mean in terms of the product? How could we take advantage of this why, this benefit of the product that the customers are looking for? How could we use that in the development process? So spend a little time so it's getting under people's skin so that they really, really understand and and work with it a little bit, play with it in the team, talk about it, and then keep repeating that message. And as a team lead, for example, to be asking those questions as people are developing the products to say, okay, so how does this meet the needs of the customer? How does this fulfill the purpose that we're trying to achieve in the organization? And continuing to show and engage people in that sort of red thread that goes through a strategy or goes through the understanding of why we're doing something. And oftentimes, the way to really do it is to get people in a room and figure out the why together first. So you may come in with your own assumptions of why we're doing something. But when you get people together, so getting the whole team together, you may end up getting a more crisp, concise, understandable, memorable reason why you're doing something. So it makes it easier for the team. I always joke with (laughs) team members that the reason that we want to get people together to understand why we're doing something is so that if I can call them in the middle of the night and they, you know, take my call at two in the morning and I say, okay, why are we doing this? They can just immediately tell me why. And that's when we really know that people understand what it is that we're doing. And having that understanding guides the decision-making that team members are making every single day. We want to have people have that information so they make better decisions. Okay, so one of the way to validate that people understand the why, you call in the middle of night and ask why we are doing something. I understand. Uh, that might be a little extreme. <laughs> I usually just joke about that. But, um, you know, bringing up the validating, I, I mean, this is a, a great point, Lucas, that, you know, when we demonstrate our products, if your listeners are working using agile methodologies, this is an example of validating a hypothesis, right? So if we're waiting for six months before we show something to our customers, man, we make a lot of mistakes and it can cost the business a lot of money because what if we're doing the wrong thing? What if this is not what our customers actually want? What if all our assumptions are wrong? So if we don't validate early in the process and do that together with our customers and team members and any other stakeholders that need to be part of that process and really get their feedback, sometimes we have to even beg for the feedback because I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this when you ask a customer, so, you know, what do you, what do you like about this? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of like the green button. Nah, okay. <laughs> 
what about the green button? And, you know, so you, you really have to be able to ask those questions to also involve and engage your customers to get that kind of feedback that you need to validate whether you're on the right track. Because if we don't do that early, then we open ourselves up for a lot of trouble later on, especially if we're making the wrong thing, which we see a lot if you don't do that validation sort of early in the process and do it together with the customers. Okay, I agree with this, but my question, because we, we work with Agile, yes? Yeah. Mostly, and you mentioned something like you we can show the product like after six months. No, and we see that it's long. not exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's way too long. We don't want that. We want to show it as quick as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was something about feedback. You mentioned that sometimes we have to beg for uh, feedback yeah. because our business users, they don't really bring the feedback back. Hmm. So we are not really sure. Even if we try to validate what you've done, sometimes we are begging for the feedback. We don't <laughs> get proper one. So yes, uh, I don't know if you have experienced this because I've experienced by myself. I can share this. I was begging. I, I was really like, please tell me, is it right design? and you know what happened they came back to me in the end of deadline and say no we don't like it we would like to make some changes but it was the end of the deadline i was asking in advance because i want to like working agile you want to quickly learn are you on track and this was very interesting do you have any advice how to convince the business users stakeholders to give you feedback like quick this is again let's do together yeah this is a, a tricky thing because it comes up a lot, right? People are so busy, they they don't have time to to come to a demo and give feedback. It takes um, getting your stakeholders in the habit of doing it. So this is what's so great about Agile is that you know when you're going to have that demo, right? It, it, It should be a regular thing in the calendar. So you can schedule it for the next two years if you want to. Of course, you know, the products that you're showing will change, but the the date in the calendar could essentially stay the same. So getting people in the habit of doing it, a lot of times in the beginning, somebody from the team, whether it's a product owner, a product manager, a team lead, whatever the role, is it doesn't really matter but somebody from the team is you know meeting that person at the coffee machine or calling them on google meet or zoom or whatever meeting tool that they use and say hey you know we really really need your feedback here we don't know if we're on the right track until we show it and we need to show it to you we can't just show it to someone else because you're the one who knows you're our customer or you represent our customer or whatever it is so to really communicate why we need that feedback and the value that it will bring in the process. And in our experience, that that works. And then the other thing that I think is important here is that the teams can make those demo sessions a little more interesting. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, somebody's just, you know, pushing the button and showing lines of code or whatever it might be. That's super boring. So how can we tell stories around the products? How can we involve and engage that stakeholder in the demo itself? And in that way, it becomes something that people actually want to go to, which makes it much more interesting and fun and and 
you know, it changes how people think about that validation process in the organization. It's actually something they look forward to and they can see the benefit, right? So it's supported across the organization because you can save so much money by, you know, understanding if you're on the right track or not. You can sink those failures right away and move on to the thing that's actually going to bring you value. And that's really what we're looking for. Okay. Sounds interesting, especially people and validation processes sound very challenging. And you mentioned something that copy machine feedback or, or Zoom uh, Zoom feedback. This is like, I would say, like, is it like kind of casual feedback, but at least it's something which can trigger official feedback? Yeah, you know, I, I hmm, that's a really interesting question. Um, I was thinking more about where we're meeting people these days, right? Because uh, so many are virtually meeting virtually now. And, and, you know, I think not only because of the... COVID situation, but also people are working all around the world in different time zones and different places. So that that was before all of this, and that will be after all of this as well. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that we can take advantage of virtual tools as well to involve and engage people in getting that that feedback that we need to validate, hey, are we on the right track to guide our decision making about what to do next. So I guess maybe my, I don't know, maybe my message is don't give up (laughs) (laughs) because maybe we can't be face to face all the time. You can make those virtual meetings really engaging as well. So it just maybe takes a little more time to plan it up front. But once you get into the habit of it, it just brings so much value to the organization that it's really worth it. At least I think so. This means that nowadays it's much harder to get a feedback and the feedback is much more official than it used to be because there is no casual feedback anymore. It's more likely to be official like online Zoom meeting or something. Yes, and you could, of course, in every meeting that you have, just have a little space either before the meeting officially starts or after it officially ends for that kind of casual conversation. You know, you have that opportunity to talk about the work just like we did when we were face-to-face more often. So I, I think there are things that you can do online that mimic that feeling of face-to-face, it just takes more effort. You know, it's just a little bit more work to to get in the habit of doing it. Nowadays, we need to spend more time for this and more effort. When I mean effort, it's sometimes some more emotional effort, especially we we don't have this human connection, that that kind of human connection, let's say. Yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you. Yes, the whole thing about the Zoom fatigue or just being on the... On your computer all the time, looking at people, pictures on the screen, it is tiring. It is straining not to have that connection sort of physically. Hopefully it won't be for so much longer. We can get back to sort of how a little bit how we were before anyway at least i hope so oh yeah and we were talking a little bit about team members how to make them more motivated and better understand what they are doing and how to involve them in the planning yes so uh, another thing which comes to my mind like when you fly on the plane yeah so when the plane is uh, speeding up and taking off your ears are stuck with the air pressure and the plane is higher, higher, higher. My my question is, is that the same story with the leadership teams? If they are higher from the bottom, they got higher air pressure in their ears and don't they really hear what's going on down there? (laughs) And 
Yes, how to make them cooperate together with the people yes. on the, the bottom who they really do the hard work and observation. Yeah, I think that is changing slowly. That that hierarchical structure. I mean, it's not gone completely. There's still plenty of organizations that have that kind of structure, but more and more we see organizations that are trying to break down those barriers. Um, leaders who are aware of that very thing that you're talking about—that pressure in the ear. You know, the higher you go, it is so important that. Those leaders are involving and engaging their people in the planning, in the, all of the stuff that needs to get done in the organization, um, providing the clarity, asking questions, asking how and what questions of their people, and resisting telling them what to do, making sure that they have the clarity about where the organization is headed and also the competencies that they need so that the people at every level in an organization can make great decisions. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And you just said it with your analogy that the person who's closest to the work or to the problem or the challenge or whatever sees it and then tells his team lead. And then she tells her boss who tells their boss. And then that top boss is supposed to make a decision. And then it goes back down the hierarchy to the person. And it's like, okay, how long did that take? And does that make any sense at all? What if we had people at every level in the organization who could make the decisions that were best for the organization? I mean, one of the things that drives me insane is that when companies are looking to cut costs, for example, you know, maybe, hey, we need to cut costs by 5% this year for, for whatever reason. Okay, so then there's a bunch of executives who get together and figure out how those costs are going to be saved instead of bringing people together who actually are closest to the work who might have some really awesome ideas about how we could save some money. I mean, it's crazy. But again, I think people are in the habit, these old ways of working, and we think, oh, the leaders need to have all the answers. And, and then, you know, maybe we have team members who are like, oh, I'm not going to make a decision. That's not my job. I don't get paid to make those decisions. We need to change that. We really need to change that. And I think the more that we involve and engage people in the process, and the more we are able to change, help people change their habits, by asking questions, hey, what do you think about this? So even if they're reluctant to make a decision to say, all right, okay, I can see that you don't wanna make a decision. What do you see happening around you? What does this remind you of? What are your team members saying? Okay, so given all that information, what do you think we should do? If you were me, what decision would you make? And maybe, just maybe they'll, ask, they'll say, but if they don't say that, you know, then the next time that person comes to the leader and does the same thing, that leader should ask those very same questions. And at some point, the team member is going to say, hmm, well, I think we should, or if I were you, I would. That's the way that we can change those behaviors. And when we do that, people feel more valued. Their, their feeling of status goes up. And that's where the motivation comes from, right? It's the dopamine that's being released in your brain that it's like, hey, I got to do this. This was awesome. This was really cool. And the more we have that, the easier it becomes. Okay. So this means that the leaders should be all the time open. They not should feel the air pressure in their ears and just ask questions all the time. <laughs> it's actually being a leader. It's all about asking questions and be open for the feedback. Yeah. But in, so I just came to my mind. You're a leader. The leader, another leader, another leader, and then we've got the people who do the job. My question would be: 
how to encourage them to share the obstacles they have in their daily routines. Because some people might feel like not really happy to share something that's something going wrong. Yes, that's that whole idea of psychological safety. And, you know, maybe I should clarify. I think there are some instances where, you know, you want leaders to feel okay telling people, hey, this is what this is what we need to do. So for instance, if we need to cut costs by 5%, that's not open to debate. We just need to cut costs by 5%. But the how we do that, that's the part where I think um, leaders can do a lot more to involve and engage the people and find those answers together. So that maybe is an important thing to clarify. So I'm not saying that leaders should only be asking questions, but you know, setting the context and then making sure that, that they're not alone to make those decisions. And I think that ties into the, the question about the obstacles and creating a sense of psychological safety. If people don't feel comfortable asking questions or going to the leaders and the leaders asking them questions and then they're feeling like, oh, what if I say something wrong here? What's going to happen to me there? So there are some things that we can put into place, for example, to make it easier for people. And specifically around obstacles, one of the techniques that we use a lot, it's also in our book, is about creating a, an impediment board or an obstacle board, depending on you know what people want to call them. Oh, I've never heard about obstacle boards. Yeah, so it it's, works like a, you know, a Kanban. So you have, um, here are impediments, and then you've got a column of to do, work in progress, and done, and you have little cards that come into this. And anybody can put in uh, an obstacle or an impediment into the board into the to-do with, you know, some details, the date that it came in, who put it in, and what the problem is. And then it is up to the leaders. Usually the way we do this is we ask, uh, it's usually a leadership team, if you will, who once a week take a look at the board and swarm in, you know, take those items and put them into work in progress. Now, every now and then there's some obstacles that come into a board like this where the leaders are just like, whoa, wait a minute, the team can figure this out. We don't need to remove this obstacle for them. And they'll push it back to the team. And that's perfectly okay. So it sort of forces the team then to take responsibility for that. So stop complaining and fix it. Now I've given it to you. I, I, I don't need to take care of this. So using sort of techniques or things that you can put into the environment to make it easier for people to speak up or make those obstacles visible is a way to increase that feeling of psychological safety and, and get rid of the stuff that's getting in people's way at the same time. So a lot of those little nuggets if you will, are helpful for everybody in the organization. Okay, so a little things matter. To wrap up the sessions, everything is about to find the, how to find the motivation to make everyone to understand why we do something and involve in the planning process quite heavily. It's all about asking questions, uh, remember the reasons we are doing something and involve every single person person to decision-making process. Yes. Even if you think that you don't have any influence on decisions, just encourage people to make some decisions or present their suggestions without judgment, because some people might be sensitive if they are judged. Yeah. Because, yeah, so uh, better not to judge because it will make the together cooperations 
smooth, I would say. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, remember that we're human. So this is not a perfection game. This is, you know, making those small improvements so that we become better and better. We learn from the things that we do each day. So, and one of the things that, that I love, my little granddaughter said one day to her brother, they were they were doing some racing, so r- running races. And um, she took his hand and said to him, let's do it together so we both can win. And I just love that. It, it sort of, it has stuck with me now, this philosophy of, hey, you know what? We're best when we figure things out together. I think it's a great statement for the end of the conversation. So in the end of the day, we all in the same boat working together to deliver a product or a solution to improve the business. Yeah. Okay, it was great to have a chat with you, Jenny. And we'll put the, the details about your book in the description box. Cool, thank under you. Under the podcast, so everyone can review and send you some uh, hello you. or buy your book if they're interested awesome. in it. Thank you. Thank you very much for the conversation. It was very inspiring. Thank you so much, Lucas. Thank you. Thank you. And there is something else. Remember to follow the podcast so you won't miss next episode. Cheers. Music by Stella Ronson.